Welcome to the second episode of the All Inclusive Podcast. My name is Ash, and I'm an environment artist out here in North Carolina in the United States of America. And my name is Jasmine. I'm a 3D environment artist living in Cologne, Germany. Currently, I'm freelancing and also attending university. So Ashley and I wanted to start this podcast because we saw a need for a different kind of podcast hosted by different people with guests who have different backgrounds and passions. And that was like the main purpose and premise we had for this podcast was to make it feel diverse, but not in that preachy way, because we want to include diversity because it's how our world and industry is. And it's important for us to normalize and put topics in focus that our guests actually are passionate about and talk that about first and foremost. For sure. And I think uh, kind of going off of that, the main goal of the podcast is to uplift people, um, people that you may not be seeing all the time and just people that you may not be aware of. Uh, and not just people who you know are in one part of the world or in one part of the industry or not just people who do this one specific thing, but we kind of want to spread a light on a bunch of different kinds of people and um, focusing on just the more positive aspects of it, because I really do think that there is a huge benefit to seeing someone who looks like you or someone who has a similar background to you or similar backstory kind of just succeeding and doing really well in their chosen field. And I think that's really important. Yeah, exactly, because representation really matters and we want this podcast to be actually a good source of information for others and a place where you can hear about experience from people who might look like yourself and have the same background, as Ashley said, and um, seeing that you're all working maybe towards a similar goal and hearing about how other people might have got to that because it can be a bit intimidating maybe, especially if you're starting out or even are in the industry to see that others got so far in the industry and it's super unattainable almost to get there but with this podcast we want to give everyone a place to talk about this and a resource that anyone can relate to at any point of their career I think. Uh, for sure and you know like it also kind of seems like fun to start a podcast like this uh, it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah you know it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of work trying to coordinate with artists and try to get them on and making sure that we're talking about things that they're that are equally meaningful and um, feel comfortable with talking about. But uh, it's just kind of like a little a little fun side project that we're both doing. Um, as for how often we're going to be doing this podcast, it looks like we're going to have an episode released on the first Tuesday of the month so far. I don't want to make that like a hard sort of line but that's going to be our goal with releasing just like once a month for right now. And if we get, you know, like super, super comfortable with it, getting in the groove of it really well, then maybe we can like squeeze in another episode at, at the same time or whatever. But for, so for right now, we're only going to do one episode a month. And that leads us to our today's special guest, and this is Sandra So. She works at Square Enix Montreal as a 3D artist, and previously she also worked at an outsourcing studio, Passion Republic, and has been involved in games such as Marvel Spider-Man, Mortal Kombat 11, Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, and The Last of Us Part 2. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for coming on. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I have to say thank you for, for having me when um, 
I remember when Jasmine and I had a call about this and she told me she had an idea about it. And I was like, yes, yes, we need to have this podcast. I really believe in what you guys are doing, like the, the basis of the podcast. And I'm, I'm super happy to be here to talk to you guys about it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're super excited to have you. I was so relieved when I talked to you, actually, and you thought this is a good idea. And even more when you were like, yeah, I want to come on. I was just super cheering us on that we managed to get you on the podcast and here we are finally and um yeah just in general I, i'd be super interested and i'm sure our listeners too to hear about how you actually got into 3d or working in the industry what was your initial moment where you're like yes that's what i want to do for maybe the rest of of my life but we don't want to be so final but for like you know that you were like I want to do this so badly and it's so fun and yeah uh and this is like the best question I, I love asking other artists about it so the thing is I was first and foremost like a consumer of games right that, that's how everybody kind of starts with it but I didn't actually think I could make a career in it like um I went to I went to art school and the focus of that art school was thinking more about films, about short stories and animations and that kind of thing. And when I came out, I was like, okay, I'm going to go into films. Let's gonna see how it goes. And then and also like um I don't know, but a bit of info for like um, our audience. Uh, uh I, I I was actually starting uh, from Malaysia. So it's like this kind of uh, I don't want to say small, but it's like a country in Southeast Asia that was like at that time, I think it was like six, uh, seven years ago, the the games industry was kind of small. It's it's not it's not even that big everywhere else, but it's getting bigger. And But that time it was small. We're talking like maybe, I don't know, like three or four studios, something like that. So um, when I when I had to do the only reason I got into games was because um, when we did like a portfolio review, and I had um, the 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 boss of one of the companies came to just he was like kind of like looking over everyone's stuff and he was like he 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 sent me a message after and he was like hey what do you think about joining games and I was like can can I can I <laughs> I don't know and then we had lunch and we we talked about it and I was like okay like let's give it a try um I didn't have film studios knocking my door so I was like yeah why not it sounds really fun so that's how I got my first job in 3D art like 3D games art and Mm. so I felt more I mean like it was a bit of a stroke of luck because there were not so many studios so even if I had wanted to apply I would have been there anyway uh so and they were hiring so uh yeah I was I was really happy about that that's how I got into it Awesome. That sounds really nice, especially that you had somebody that introduced you to it and opened that door for you. That's amazing to have that, especially at that age. And um, did you notice any differences when you got into the studio? Because since at school you learned more about the film side and now it was games. Was there like a difficult transition for you or did you get used to it pretty quickly? I think at the time I had this mindset that games were like they had to be like really optimized as opposed mm-hmm. to film. And as, as an artist, I was like, oh, I want it to be the most graphically beautiful thing, you know? <laughs> so that was, but but luckily at the time, um, we were starting to get into this trend of, we have more like 
consumers had more like power in yeah. our PCs. We had more ability to show something. So it was not like, it was not like, you know, film level, but I was starting to realize that the, the challenge of it was getting it to still look good with less. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. And um, I loved the, the interactivity people had with our work and in games. When you go into 3D and, you, and people can stay at a certain spot longer because they want to walk around, because they think it's fun to stay there, yeah. which you don't really get in film. And that, that was the, the like, two differences I felt. Um, but yeah, I, I hope I answered the question. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yes. <laughs> no, I think that's great. And um, it's also interesting to hear a bit on the side of uh, what the game industry is like in Malaysia. And um, how did you experience it since you say it was pretty small? And back then, even if you go seven years ago, in general, it was, it's been probably pretty small outside of the US. Uh, speak kind of out of experience in Germany. It's so small that not many people know about many studios here. So um, I wonder what it's like in Malaysia. How did you experience that time there? Um, I mean, as we both know, because it's so small and you start to think like, I mean, you start to be like, okay, so am I going to stay here? Yeah. Right. Like your family's there, your friends are there, but for work, how does that work? And it's not as if, um, uh, it's not as if I think like now, like maybe both you and Ashley, uh, like you have more experience like freelancing and that's kind of the next step that people can maybe stay where they are and they can work from from like overseas, right? But that wasn't really that big back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, like studios were not prepared to send work that way to individuals, I think. So yeah, I mean, like it was small, but the people in like, um, I think that the, the community, because it's so small, they were so like uh, energetic about it because everyone was in it, not because you could make a lot of money, but because yeah. we wanted to do it and we were passionate and we were just, the like young and like trying to get figure something out about that yeah Yeah, i think that's actually really nice and as you said that that nowadays we have this option to maybe stay in our country and stay at home and not leave it but obviously you made the decision to leave malaysia at some point because you relocated to uh, montreal last year and I was wondering what it was like for you to relocate to a completely new country and a job at the same time. I can imagine it's a huge um, change, especially in what made you decide to take that step. Because uh, as I can hear, you actually enjoyed working in Malaysia too. But what made you think, like, okay, I'm going to now pack everything up and try a new adventure, basically? <laughs> like, uh, I had done a lot of work in Malaysia and you, as you said like uh, I loved my job I thought the people were great I liked my company uh, but I and I don't know do you maybe I can open a bit the floor like to you guys like how do you feel as um, artists and do you feel like you often have like that thing on the back of your mind saying like you're curious and you want to know what it's like moving outside and like finding out how to work in other studios yeah Definitely. Um, I, I'll let you start, Ashla. <laughs> oh, man, I think um, my kind of perspective is kind of like on um, a little bit on the outside because I t- like, quote unquote, haven't necessarily broken in yet. So for me, it's like, um, for me, there's always that that question of what if, right? Like uh, there's a huge part of the industry, obviously, here in America, in North America, 
Um, but even trying to kind of think beyond um, like what is here in America for me? Like, oh, like what are the possibilities outside of America? What are the possibilities in places like Montreal and Vancouver and um, like England and, and other places and things like that? I think you always kind of have like, even though you may be really pushing forward really hard on the thing that you want to be doing right now, I think that there's always a little bit of what if I could go a little bit further with it that happens. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that. It's always this question where you think, should I go for this or should I go for that? And what will happen in maybe 10 years or five years or even next year? That's like always the thing I, I can't, like, it's always a question of mine, especially now graduating soon. It's even more pressing and it's kind of stressful in a way. But um, having experience going to Montreal for that small show of time of six months, I did exactly that. I kind of listened to the little voice I made and was like, okay, let's just try it. Like, it's okay. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You can come back home. Um, it's not like you're leaving forever. Nothing is forever. And, you know, <laughs> it's okay. And it was a nice experience. And I think even if it didn't go well, I would have appreciated it just as much because I listened to that instinct in me kind of and just tried it out and you know explored it a bit and that made me more brave maybe for my future decisions as well it won't be as hard to take that step maybe it will still be really really difficult but it's like you know that you'll be fine maybe and even if you're not you have a place to go back to at some point if you want to and like I know I can come back home if something goes wrong luckily <laughs> yeah I think it's a bit like you don't want to live with the regret yeah right it's hard it's hard to carry I don't know if you can if you can like you feel me I don't know I know it sounds weird to say you were scared to find a job but it was immense like okay I put my portfolio together I have to be sure I put my resume and then send it out and honestly I don't know what I expected I was thinking I tell you guys straight I was thinking I'm Maybe I'm giving up my career for this, you know, because like, am I going to end up working in a cafe? Not that there's anything wrong. Actually, I want to, I, I wanted to try that for some time just to, to detox. But I was like, um, uh, was I not, wasn't anybody not going to hire me? And I was just going to be like, like that, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely get that. It's a big risk and it's also giving up a commitment on one hand and going into mm -hmm. a new commitment and that's that's definitely scary and it's a really reasonable uh, thought to have. So you went in a big risk in that sense, but um, yeah, especially giving up a job that you enjoy. That's the big thing, I guess. Yeah, I think for artists, you're super scared. Yep. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh, what I was going to say was that I think that something that anyone can kind of relate to in that in your story up to this point is like when when you make such a big move like that and then on top of that have to find work there's a huge amount of vulnerability that goes yeah. into it right where it's like this is my body of work this is like the this the best that I have done up until this point and kind of uh, just sending it out kind of like humbly, like if you would look at my portfolio, that would make me really happy sort of, sort of, uh, sort of feeling it's really, it's really vulnerable, you know, because like, like, like anyone yes. could just do anything. They could be like, 
they could say, oh, well, like, look at it and we can talk to you, which is another whole like can of worms. Or they can just not say anything. And then you feel kind of hurt because you've heard nothing. It's yes. it's hard. Like applying for work is is hard. And it's kind of like you have to know how to cope with it at yes. the same time, especially in your case where it's like I'm moving halfway across the world and then I have to do this thing that's already hard. Right. Yeah. I mean, you never know, right? It's like life. You you don't even know what's happening next week, tomorrow. So just uh, try to pick what what you feel you can live with and what you feel like, you know, if you've, even if you come back, like Jasmine said, you come back, it's, it's not a failure. You, 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 you know, you tried your best, you did something and maybe you can try again. No one says it's like one time. So yeah, this is what I tried to tell myself at the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's completely reasonable. I think because, uh, everything in life isn't like an instant like you can't get everything right on the first try it, it takes yeah. several tries it takes maybe 100 tries you know <laughs> at some point it, you'll you'll get there but it's a long path and everyone's path looks completely different so I think it's really good to hear that what your experience was like and many might relate to that too like I completely understand what you're saying it's um, not reassuring even for me to hear that <laughs> in this case <laughs> I love when people, and hopefully we'll have more moments like this where people can come on and talk about their doubt. I love that because I think so often because of like, you know, like social media pressure or whatever, and it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily a bad thing, right? Like it's kind of a good thing to want to put your best self forward. However, on the flip side, like there's, there's two sides to every coin, right? Like they're your favorite artists have doubt and your favorite artists have failures and it's yeah. kind of to hear like someone who's working at, at at your level to be like yeah I was scared the whole time that's good we love that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh boy Jasmine could tell you we've had conversations where I'm saying that a lot I think. <laughs> it's like it was basically saying to each other saying like I'm scared and you're like yes I'm scared too and it's just like going back and yeah. forth about that things but it's nice because like, afterwards you feel like you're not alone with this right like it's not you might yeah. have not solved yeah. those issues but it still feels good to be like okay I'm not by myself with this I'm not just sitting in a room and having these thoughts and not having a way out of it it's you're together in that room and thinking about yeah. it <laughs> together being like sipping your coffee and getting like anxious together exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah. uh, no, I had a question for Ash because, like, uh, you mentioned oh, earlier. <laughs> no, no, because you mentioned earlier, and I, I really felt like that was a really good point to bring up about um, when you make. There's a cost when you make your application somewhere, and you send yes. something to somebody, and you're vulnerable. Like, how do you, how do you uh, deal with that? Like, what's your go-to feeling for that? Oh man, um, so. I am currently in this sort of phase where I'm doing a portfolio push. So I can't answer your question, but I also haven't applied it a second, right? Um, What I would try to do and what I will likely try to do again is a couple of things, right? Like one, surround myself with supportive people, for sure. Um, That's something that I've been trying to do for the past couple of years, like trying to get people from different slices of like 
life, right? Like like finding people who are um, at my level, who are struggling with the same things, uh, trying to find people who are, um, for lack of a better word, like like better at things than I am or more experienced in things than I am and trying to like, um, like get some knowledge from them, mentor under them and, and have them as a point of resource. And then also kind of finding people that, um, or sometimes honestly just being found by other people who are looking to me to help them with things and kind of cultivating that sort of community. Because I know that without community, I could not have come as far as I have since I graduated at all. And sometimes when you are working on your art and you're working on your, on your portfolio or just on yourself in any kind of aspect, it can be so easy, especially right now, right? be so easy to feel by yourself because you're at the computer slogging away in a dark room four hour sessions like your mother hasn't seen you in 12 hours you know and things like that um and that can really take a toll on you as a person so like having people to reach out to and be like hey, I'm really frustrated because I've sent out like a bajillion or whatever number like applications and I haven't heard anything back from like any of them, like having someone to talk to and be like, like, you know, like keep going, don't give up on things. Like this Mm -hmm. is kind of how it works right now. And it's, and, and that's not, that's like the not nice part about it, but it doesn't mean that there isn't a place for you. Like talking to people like that kind of helps. And then honestly, um, sometimes I just turn off my brain and just make it mechanical. <laughs> Seriously, because sometimes, like, especially if it's a, a, an application where it's like, okay, you need to know my name, cool. Co- like, name goes in here, and you need to know, uh, have a link to my portfolio, copy paste. You need a cover letter, make some changes to the cover letter that I have written up, make it a little like, um, like tailored to where it needs to go, yeah. copy, put it in, send it, and then try to get through, like, like two today or five yeah. today, or like yeah. 10 today or whatever. Like, like sometimes you really just have to like remove emotions from it sometimes and then kind of like, like heal yourself mm. after. That's what I've found has like worked. Cause like, if you, if you stay in there emotionally, it can be really dark and hard for sure. Yeah. 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 You can feel like you're being, well, this is something I felt, uh, I think it's a bit common maybe like I felt personally rejected even though of course I don't yeah. like I know they don't know me but <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but you know yeah and, uh, yeah 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 I really hear you especially writing cover letters it's a bit like yeah <laughs> it's pretty tough everyone's favorite part really like everyone I've spoken <laughs> to like I love writing cover letters <laughs> It's the it worst thing ever. <laughs> I always sounded like some weird like advertising person, you know, that they're like being at people's house and just like buy this carpet. It's so great. <laughs> like, kind of... oh, no. It always sounds so fake to me now, right? Yeah. <laughs> I really don't sure. like I know not a single soul who loves cover letters. Not a Let's soul. abolish them. <laughs> <laughs> for real we need to like talk to some hr peeps and ask them like on the other side do they like reading cover letters like what's yeah. that <laughs> you should ask I them like some people who do like it because maybe it could like 
help them pick out the people who are like actually like trying versus mm-hmm. who are just like copy pasting a yeah. like the same thing to everyone and using the same like I don't know. I'm sure someone yeah. has better insight on that than you know like me. But <laughs> <laughs> from my standpoint, would love if they were gone. If you're listening, game <laughs> industry. If you're listening, exactly. <laughs> sending us into the universe. <laughs> the artists have spoken. Cover letters. Yeah. So, kind of uh, moving on from from that, uh, mm-hmm. I I had a question for you. Um, do you have any specific work aspirations at this point, and has it changed since your first job? Um, this one's like, uh, it was a pretty tough question for me to answer because I, in the same, like one part, I feel like they haven't changed. Like, um, I still really love art. I still really love games. I don't feel like that's going to change for a long time. Uh, on the second part, I feel like I've been exposed to a lot more about games as a whole and my role in them and making them. And for me, that perspective change has uh, like brought up more questions for me. <laughs> so it's not like this, I, I don't want to be like a 3D artist or do something else, but now I start to, since I moved uh, and the team I'm currently in, I'm being exposed to a lot of different parts that I wasn't before. Like uh, when I talk about different parts, I mean like how closely we work with um, game designers or level designers, um, the animation and audio and even, also like partly management of the games and from all these things I start to feel like the main thing is I kind of want to be useful (laughs) I always want to be useful I don't what what I don't want is to be in a team and not be useful to that team so first I hope that what I'm useful at is what I also like doing which is 3D art but I'm open to be like okay let's modify a bit if you feel like and I can learn right the whole process is like relearning so much more. So I'm not gonna say I'm gonna like jump into animation just because they need someone. I, I I would, I mean like it's not like to say that it's so easy to switch, but it's more like um, uh, how do you call this? Opening up my mind to being like, okay, maybe 3D art can be a solution in different ways. And having that conversation with our designers, maybe being like, um, you can uh, we. It's two ways, right? You, you can give like uh, the brief and we can have a discussion and maybe we can say, oh, but uh, we can do this or that. Uh, because I started to realize actually maybe, not maybe, like a lot of different people from a lot of different parts, even for among 3D artists, we won't always have the same solution. And that's what I love about 3D art. I can come in, like, Jasmine can be like, no, I think this could be the solution for, like if it's stylized, we could save on like the cost of something render wise, right? Or like, I could be like, oh no, but we could also do this and that. And like, uh, I'm not really sure if this is answering the question about being like specific work aspirations, but it's more like just finding out there's so much more. And um, so I can say, yeah, it's not that, I'm still trying to figure out what the next step is, but just going from this is what I'm trying to do. For sure, I think, Part of the reason why I ask that question is I'm trying to think of what my specific career aspirations yeah. are. And I think um, 
as time go as time has gone on, like a lot of uh, kind of not necessarily expectations, but a lot of ideas that I had about what I wanted before have definitely changed. Yes. Um, and sometimes people uh, start working and they're like, oh, man, like I am uh, I might be a mid-level you know, environment artist right now or a mid-level whatever right now, but it's actually my goal to be an art director. Stuff like yeah. that. Like, trying to think about what that is because, like, I, I'm kind of with you in, in your perspective on it. It's just, I think I enjoy the work and I kind of just want to be a part of a team that does cool stuff and being useful. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I'm with the, like, climbing up the ladder thing all the time sort of grind you know like i don't know if oh, i want that. the ladder be short though for artists <laughs> no, no no no. i mean like, I'm, I'm serious like it's, like like it's just like so people think okay like intern and then junior and senior and then they're yeah, like oh what yeah. happens after senior lead and then what like what if you don't yeah. want to be an art director right right so what, right, right it's a short ladder yeah <laughs> and it's like it's like how do you kind of like reconcile with what you think you should want because I think there's kind of a, a pressure to kind of constantly want more, right? And constantly yes. want to push like higher and higher. But yeah. yeah, but sometimes you, you're just like, I just want to help people make cool stuff and yeah. solve cool problems, and that's fine. So I, I, I'm glad you 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 brought that up because it's very like a down to earth perspective. Like it doesn't feel like. Yeah, I'm, I'm not lofty, and hopefully that's not that doesn't sound bad. But it's no. human to just be like, I just want to make cool stuff with cool people. That's cool. How do you feel about it, Jasmine? It's interesting because uh, when I talk to several people who have been in the industry for a while, and that scared me a bit to be honest, they were saying the same. It's like the ladder is pretty short, and then when you reach senior and you want to go higher you have to go art direct and then you're stuck in meetings most of the time. And then that really puts off people because they don't get to do art anymore. And that's mm. what I'm most scared about because I can't ever imagine myself sitting and having meetings all day and not doing art anymore. Like I enjoy mm -hmm. uh, working with people together, giving them feedback, getting feedback and not just telling people what to do in that sense, I guess. Maybe yeah. it's because I'm also still pretty new and would like some guidance for, um, that's the one thing I think I will later on still like because it's so fun to be creative and be productive. And that's the one thing that, that, that connects us as artists because we like to make something, you know, that's from our hands and you know, just yeah. from, from our minds and ideas and having an impact on a project in that visual way is something I really like. So I'm a bit unsure even um, what my aspirations would be even now that I actually set out, like you said, and think about it and want to figure it out. And it's important to have them down. I think sometimes, especially when you're at the start of your career, because you want to get a job or be on a project that fulfills like your, um, maybe what you would like to do at some point. But for me, it's yeah. really difficult sometimes to pin that down because I do want to have an impact, but also want to um, be productive and do things and learn stuff. So it's, difficult I guess it's like you said and it's interesting to hear that you being so far in your career have that same like thought process in a, in a way <laughs> maybe it never goes away um That's I realized okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, actually I realized something about the first question that Ash asked about the um, specific work aspirations and um maybe I have another point about that because I realized maybe other artists I haven't spoken to enough artists about this but 
my portfolio is very like the style is realistic but it's kind of varied in what I have and sometimes I find it hard to market myself because there's a lot of like character art there's like a bit of like props a bit of like uh, a bit of environment uh maybe I didn't put up the environments but like it's kind of to the industry it's mixed so that's a bit difficult because I wouldn't market myself as a generalist because to me a generalist and that changes according to the studio right but a generalist would be like oh, okay someone that does like also the animation maybe the effects and rigging so a real like generalist that's what I think but more and more we're getting like specific so maybe I'm considered a generalist now <laughs> but uh yeah and, there's, and then you have to pick between like stylized and realistic and it starts to become like really specific and that's something that I'm still struggling with at the moment so yeah that's was something I just was like uh if anyone else is feeling that I'm in the same boat <laughs> it's something that goes through my le- my mind a lot like and I'm not sure if it's just like work culture pressure mm. or just people I think a lot of people want to make sure that you're not settling too Mm-hmm. But sometimes making a decision to stay in, you know, the lane that you're in isn't necessarily settling. Sometimes that's just what you want. And, mm-hmm. you know, that shouldn't be seen as like a lesser decision. You know, it's still it's mm-hmm. still like a, a, a viable way to go about your career for sure. Um, yeah. So we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. before the break um we were talking about uh if Sandra had any specific job aspirations or anything like that and now I am really interested in your relationship with imposter syndrome especially working at such a high level um and contributing to big projects as you do like how do you cope with imposter syndrome do you even get it um, which is kind of feels like a silly question, but some, not everyone does, you know. Uh, so yeah, I would, I would really be interested to know uh, anything about that. Any perspectives there? Uh, well, first, if there are artists out there without imposter syndrome, let's let's uh, let's have tea because I want to get some of that, that the vibes, you know. Because uh, I know Jasmine knows because we talk a lot about that, but. Uh, she probably knows that I'm a nefarious uh, imposter syndrome character. It's 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 really bad for me, uh, because I've worked on projects and felt like I was happy with the results of what I did, but still at the same time, um, I always feel like oh, maybe it was a fluke. At the time, I could do that, you know, and can I do that now? And uh, can do people? I, I guess maybe at the base, it's it's worrying too much about what people digest or get from my art and f- what they think of me without really knowing me. 
um, because I'm not worried. I'm not really worried about my friends thinking that I can't do what I do, because we talk about our art a lot, and uh, I think we're genuine and we're valid, and we talk about our struggles enough to be like, yeah, nobody's worried too much about that. But especially, I think when it comes to interviews, when it comes to jobs, and having to sell. I don't know if we can say sell ourselves as artists. I I know a lot of people that might sell themselves short, myself included, because they're being asked like, oh, can you do this, 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 and like um, even like for something like uh, like a job application that says something like a um, uh, like responsible team player or like something like that, and you just like, I am a responsible team player, or am I? maybe i should send a survey to everybody and have them tell me like from a, a range of one to ten i mean it's not it's not so bad for but uh definitely because games are not unless you you you're like lucas pope and you make like one game by yourself yeah like papers please or something but you're it's always a team effort it's always like a mix of different people coming together and it's not, it's kind of rare to be like, oh, uh, I was in charge of this thing and I'm the sole owner of it. So it can be like, oh, if you leave me alone, what is it supposed to look like, you know? Without, even without feedback from people, even if you're working your own pieces and if you don't get any feedback from people, yeah, maybe that's what it looks like. And sometimes you can step back from something and be like, this was not my best work, but yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I feel like I'm kind of going off on a tangent about this. It's, it's two different things. It's like impost- imposter syndrome for work and imposter syndrome about uh, personal work, right? So how do you feel about that, Ash? Like, <laughs> man, uh, man, I think there's a lot of landmines there with imposter syndrome. There, There's no, there's no other real way to talk about it because I've seen artists that I look up to talk about how they're not how they sometimes feel that they're not worthy of the success that they've had so far or how they're not worthy of you know um, people looking to them as kind of like a, a resource of information or or whatever and mm. uh, it's kind of hard it's I think it's it, I think imposter syndrome kind of plagues people who are trying to improve right like if a person doesn't care about improvement improving anything like if you were <laughs> like if you were trying to learn the guitar but you don't really care Right. Like if you're trying to learn the guitar, but you don't really care, like you're not really going to have a thought about like, what if I'm not as good as I think I am or as other people think I am? Um, Mm. And, you know, I think I'm not really sure about how how you I don't I don't think you get rid of it. I think you, you know, kind of just have to reach out to people. Sometimes you have to like ride that wave, too, I think. Like, just knowing that you're going to feel like this for a second. It might be like a week and a half or whatever. But then knowing that that wave kind of passes. And I don't know if um, 
if uh, I, I see Jasmine nodding her head, like she she understands this. So I don't know if you have any, <laughs> if you also like have any like little anecdotes about um, imposter syndrome for yourself. Um, so I really relate to both of you because I have this every time I finish a project, even when I finish like a small part of a project and I look at it and then I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I really did this properly or if it's right. And then people tell me, oh, no, you did a good job. And then I'm like, yeah, but do you really mean this? Or are you just saying this because you're my friend or you just want to be nice about it? Or yeah, I yeah, really yeah. believe you. <laughs> it's like uh, similar to when you're a kid and then your mom gives you a compliment about anything you do. But you're like, yeah, you're my mom. I know you mean well, but like, is it really that good? And I have this like with friends now too. It's like, I always like doubt myself and if people are just being nice to me because they like me and I don't want to hurt my feelings maybe. And it's a constant circle of that. But I think like uh, Ashley also said, it's important to maybe have a bit of that and because mm. it really drives you to maybe push a bit further. I think to a certain extent, it's healthy to have this self-reflection and be mm. like, okay, I have room to improve. I have things to learn. I'm not there yet completely. And that really gets you maybe to the next uh, milestone you have for yourself. But sometimes it can be super unhealthy to, to like balance that. I think there's no perfect way to be like, oh, yeah, I have a healthy amount of imposter syndrome. I can deal with this <laughs> now. <laughs> like, you know, you, you just get blessed with more or less of that. And it's... Uh, difficult thing to deal with but what helps me sometimes is just to remind myself that that not everything I do um, needs maybe this like affirmation that I've done it completely right I did it wrong I just did it because I had I enjoyed it I like what I'm doing and just think about the bigger picture kind of that I'm doing art because I enjoy doing it for myself a bit too and not that I have to prove something you know I think that's sometimes maybe the case with imposter syndrome that you want to like prove to others that I'm capable of doing this and I'm believing in what I'm doing. But yeah, it's, it's hard to grasp in a way. Sorry, I think you brought up some really, really good things there. Like a, a, a three, if I can remember the third thing, but I heard at least three really good things in there that you were mentioning. <laughs> um, I think like finding a way to push imposter syndrome from this really negative sort of um, harmful thing to yourself and more into self-reflection that's a bit more neutral is really, really important. And it's a, a really, uh, it's really good that you brought that up because self-reflection in a neutral sense does not hurt you, right? It's just kind yeah. of taking inventory of things that went well, things that didn't go well, and it's not being on the other side with kind of how imposter syndrome can kind of be where it's like, I don't deserve this. Like that's very self-destructive. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a good point. And then your other point about um, like worrying about if everyone is just telling you this because you're like, you know, like friends or whatever, or they don't want to crush you or whatever. I actually had that feeling kind of recently. And I have a friend who, whenever I would bring this up to them, they'd be like, well, it's kind of hard for so and so many people to all tell you the same lie. Like everyone's lying. <laughs> like, <laughs> like every single person that you've shown your project to has lied the exact same way and has used the exact same language to describe 
thing you're working on like that kind of seems a little bit far-fetched don't you don't you think and then it's like oh well I guess you're right you know like if someone's going and if you like kind of cultivate that community that you kind of have trust with to give you good feedback then you kind of just have to trust it right just trust that when this person when I show things to this person they're going to tell me hey maybe you should check out your values on this material or whatever and then when it's good and looks nice that they'll tell you. So that's the second really good point that you brought up. Um, the third really good point that you brought up, which I remember, thank goodness, um, is that sometimes it really, you don't have to be always so critical about every single thing, which is, I don't know, that might be kind of not, um, you know, a popular opinion or whatever, but I think sometimes it's more about just doing and just progress. And sometimes just like, like sometimes just doing the thing is the progress, right? Rather than not doing the thing that's not progressing, because if you don't even try, then there's no potential for progress there. Uh, So I think those are great things to bring up jasmine thank you no, that's that's definitely that also relates to what sandra mentioned earlier with the taking like the risk to go somewhere else and thinking about what if it's applies to this case too because if you don't try then you don't know what might come out of it in the end i feel like yeah i mean I don't, i'm not sure if it applies to that but also from listening to both of you i feel like imposter syndrome was also based on Two other points, which is that the imposter, well, the healthy way would be the imposter being you're just comparing it to your past self. So hopefully we've all improved and felt that way. But I think also a lot of it is dealing with the imposter being the idealized, what is the ideal senior treaty artist or lead? What kind of uh, values would this person have? And it's a Frankenstein that I build from listening to like podcasts about other artists that I look up to. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they can draw as well as this or sculpt as well as that. And they have the texturing artists of this uh, skills of this artist. And in the end, it becomes this kind of like, oh, checklist. Like, uh, I'm not going to be a, a, a lead or a senior if I'm not like uh, exactly like this amazing, like um, mythological ideal artist. <laughs> Which is very discouraging and uh, it's not healthy at all. And um, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I, 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 <laughs> I realized putting that question in there um, was kind of kind of a heavy one because um, you know I want to know, obviously, which is why I asked the question. <laughs> so um, it, was, it was a great question. It's a great question. Yeah, 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 for sure. Just any sort of thing you can do to not put yourself down, I think, is what I'm hearing. Like, Mm. sometimes it's just about pushing through that and having support, always support. Like, I'm sure, like, none of us have could get as far as we've gotten without it. Like, having people or, like, a friend or someone to talk to about whatever really, really helps, for sure. Exactly. And if you're not the one doing the job, someone else is going to do it. So you might as well apply. Um, <laughs> it would be you, right? Why not? Like, why you're the one, the first filter saying like, I'm not going to be able to do this because uh, 
I'm not perfect, but like somebody's gonna get it. So <laughs> I think that's a really good way to see it. That's true. We should be more confident about things. I think that's the big thing as well. Just do it. Like not yeah. overthinking it too much. I get a tattoo of this guys. You heard it here first. I'm gonna oh, get no. it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> As a little closing question, um, I personally was super interested to hear about your experience compared to working in an outsourcing studio and working in-house in a studio, because I have no idea really what like the experience was like for you, how you felt about it. Is there anything you enjoy more or less about either one? And yeah, I just would be super happy if you could talk about that a bit with us. Um, yeah, for sure. It's, it's really interesting for me, I think, because it's like, uh, even though they both deal in games and we, we, we like handle the same things in both for me, uh, 3D art, but it's so, it's such a different experience. That it's hard to, to know where to start because in outsourcing, you really focused a lot on the visual aspects of it. Like, the um, you're you're kind of almost going really like you put a microscope on what you're doing but you don't know how well it ties into everything but you also get to touch like so many different projects you get to touch so many different things in a shorter time span so like i could do maybe two or three different projects within a year but uh, i think at most my like it would be about a year for a project because uh, like uh that's how the cycles could be um but for an in-house like core team you have a lot of different considerations and sometimes when you're done it doesn't mean like you're done with some specific task it's not really something that you won't come back to and revise it's not that often that you would send something back to outsourcing for them to revise something that they've done that you, that has been signed off already so that's one thing and it's often overlooked by maybe a lot of different people when they feel like like for artists um when you want to like um, question yourself, do I want to work in outsourcing or do I want to work in core teams? Understand that it's two very different skills when you go into it, because I can say if you're like the kind of artist that really just um, like your main goal is maybe you want to spend a lot of time doing art from different projects and that's where you want to grow, go into I'm not, I'm not going to say like go into outsourcing and you don't do it in-house, but I'm just saying that you have a higher like a uh, chance of experiencing that in outsourcing. Uh, it's very strange for me to say that, but yeah. And in-house, you're going to face different challenges. You're going to maybe also need to do um, like a lot of self-management on different aspects of this, because I can only say from the two different uh, experiences I had in a sense, they were both like smallish, similar size studios. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like my current experiences in like uh, the 500 person studio or something. It's, I, so I always feel like we're in the kind of intimate space and you talk to like uh, the similar number of people, but even so, it's it, it was very different. So it was like a really good science experiment. So the variables were kind of the same, but you you still get like a two two different experiences out of that. And also maybe it wasn't as clear in, in the beginning, but there was also a switch from like console to uh, mobile as well. 
And it was it was a bit deliberate in a sense because um, I felt like it was a good experience to learn like a like a quick like turnover in terms of the production itself, like to know everything and be able to touch on everything. And that's a bit easier when it's it's mobile rather than um, if you go directly to I think a, a, a bigger triple A studio for console because you might not be able to get the same experience touching on all the different aspects of it and getting a better understanding. So. Uh, definitely it it's really hard to um let's say it's not it's it's really hard to consolidate my opinions on them both but i i think i enjoy them in different ways yeah i think that's very uh legit to say because they're both different things it's not like about what's better or what's worse really it's just like different experiences and different work environments i guess and you can gather the experience from there and apply it to another place and vice versa. And I think that's uh, great that you had both views in that sense. And then moving on to the future, you kind of know what to expect from both sides, basically. Yeah, I think for sure. Like you, if you ever want to open your own studio, maybe with a couple of friends, if that's the ideal, I would highly suggest being in both environments is the best thing, you know? And um, yeah, because I know a lot of people, their their main goal is to go to like a bigger studio, but you're going to have a really different experience there, I think. And you won't be able to touch on so many things. And if, if your game is there, your, your goal is to make your own game, uh, then we kind of need to know what's going on in those other sectors too. Uh, yeah. Um, I, my, there's, there's thoughts turning around in my head about what you just said. Um, mm -hmm. just now uh i feel like uh maybe because you don't really see a lot of um uh how do you say maybe because you don't see, the the artists that you kind of see put on pedestals aren't always outsourcing artists right like i think the people that people kind of see as their heroes or whatever it's like oh they championed this thing at this in-house, like um, in this in-house environment. And I think there's kind of like, um, kind of like a mis misunderstanding as well in terms of like what a person should want. So I'm really glad that you mentioned like the differences there because uh, like if you, like you said, like if you want to work on a bunch of different projects and help, you know, ship a bunch of different things, then you know, and, 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 and grow yourself in, in different ways, maybe on different projects, then maybe outsourcing is kind of like your jam. And if you kind of just want to be like a piece of something and like work in a different way, then maybe like in-house is better for you. Uh, but it's not necessarily like one is better than the other, but it's kind of like, I think because we hear big name studios all the time, that it can be easy to think that, oh, there's only this. When actually... Um, like a lot of people help make a game like mm -hmm. like come to like what makes you it. happy you know because yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like now that there's a trend i think like of um senior artists leaving studios to make kind of like a small boutique outsourcing like uh, amongst like friends and i kind of feel like i was starting to feel oh that sounds kind of cool first you work with people you like to work with you have um Touch, you're touching different projects maybe once in a while depending 
and um, so it's not, it's not also like I, I know there's a there's like a, this view on on outsourcing teams like they can be kind of maybe far away and kind of big studios kind of feeling but it's not I think our definition of it could change you know outsourcing is just any studio that's out not like where the main studio is right so yeah, yeah for sure it's interesting because right now basically everyone working from home it's almost like everyone's a little outsourcing studio because yeah. no one can house anymore yeah <laughs> it's true it's true it's true and so it's, maybe it's, that's yeah. my like, oh, awesome oh no no i was gonna say it's a bit like everyone's freelancing but in my mind maybe it's cool when you're freelancing with your friends something like that i guess <laughs> No, that's true. Yeah, it's like basically what you do as friends, like sharing work in progress and getting feedback. You would just do that on a professional yeah. level, which would work really well if you do it with people you trust and value their um, input. Mm. Uh, I think that can bring out a really great outsourcing studio, actually. That'd be a nice yeah. idea. Yeah, I know like lots of, like you, were, you guys are saying, lots of people have, I see this tweet at least once a month where people are like, can we go to the middle of nowhere and just like have a commune and there's sheep somewhere and then we also make art? <laughs> I feel like I feel like the more the more that people talk about this idea, I feel like the more that it's going to actually happen, especially since, yeah. you know, um I think the the amount of flexibility that the industry is having to adjust to because it has to right now is kind of showing yeah. people that you actually don't have to do things the same way forever. And maybe it's giving like the right people kind of like the, the courage to try to make those things kind of happen where it's like, yeah, I have a studio out in the middle of nowhere in the Canadian countryside because that's what I want. And that's what's mm. going to be like, that's great. Like, I love that, that diversity of approach that people are even wanting to begin with. Um, yeah, so I think uh, trying to wrap things up, this was so much, in a good way, in a good way, um, <laughs> like things that kind of stuck out to me from our conversation, you know, stuff like you you saying, like, don't tell yourself no first, you know, like, like. And that's something that I've heard, but it's kind of like good to hear it again, because sometimes, you know, that imposter syndrome kind of gets in and kind of like infects you and kind of makes you not want to try things because you're afraid of it. And like, there's no there's no harm in trying for things. And sometimes um, like not trying is the failure because you didn't even like give yourself, yeah. a chance, you know, um, so that's a really good point that you brought up. Um, and then also, uh, kind of making your career kind of aspirations, like they can come in any, any form and just trying to decide to do something that's going to make you happy rather than, you know, feeling the pressure to be in like high positions of leadership all the time or trying to do mm -hmm. this certain thing that you think other people think you should do, um, like just doing what kind of fits you better. Uh, yeah. Really fits with me. Um, yeah. So thank you so much, Sandra, for coming on. This is such a great conversation. Um, 
this is such a great conversation to have on episode two of the All Inclusive Podcast. It's still kind of crazy that we're <laughs> second episode is happening right now. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Like this is, I know that you know you're busy and you like to have your life and your relaxation and your, your <laughs> coffee at not seven fifteen a.m. No, thank you, guys. It was amazing to have you on. Yeah, we are so happy that you made it and took the time to talk with us. Um, yeah, I'm sure everyone else will be super excited to listen to you and what you had to, to say to us. It was great having this conversation. For sure. We're going to include, um, you know, in whatever description box this podcast is going to be on, uh, a link to your art station profile and also a link to your Twitter so that people can be well aware of your presence. So if anyone listening right now wants to suggest someone to join us on the podcast and someone who's a great positive force in their community, along with being a great at what they do, please send us an email at allinclusivepdscst at gmail.com. That's allinclusive, no spaces, pdcst at gmail.com. There can be a 2D artist, a 3D artist, community manager, someone who works in QA. We're really open to having just about anyone to come on. So we're super excited to hear your suggestions. For sure. Send in those suggestions 100%. And uh, thank you all for joining us for the second episode of All Inclusive. We hope that you had as much fun listening to us as we do talking. Um, you can find us on a couple of different social media channels. You can find these links in the description down below or the main page of whatever you're listening to us on. And you can find us on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify, as well as a couple other um, platforms that we're working on getting the podcast on. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much again. And we hope that you'll join us again for another episode of All Inclusive.